0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello, and once more. Dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you could have access to all of our station's content. There is a website, VeritasCatholic.com, VeritasCatholic.com, so if you want to offer some feedback, not just on Joe and Joe, but all of our station's content, now make sure the bishop has a show too. Let's be frank. So don't be too harsh on the bishop. But if you have any comments, um, positive or negative, let us know. We'd love to know about it. Um, and also if you'd like to follow Joe and I on social media, we're on YouTube at the frontline tv, the frontline tv, or you could support us at thefrontlinetv.com, tv.com, the frontline tv.com. And today we are very Pleased and honored to be joined by Dr. Christopher Malloy. This is going to be a really good conversation, um, all you good Catholics out there. So please listen to the whole thing because Dr. Malloy has published a new book through Sophia Institute Press. The title should tell you this is going to be a really good conversation: "False Mercy: Recent Heresies Distorting Catholic Truth." And these are the things that we have to talk about as the Catholic community, just not not only in America. Uh, but worldwide, and Dr. Malloy is here to illuminate us on some of these things. Uh, just briefly, Dr. Christopher Malloy is married to his wife, Flory, and together they have seven children. He teaches theology at the University of Dallas, and he has published two academic books and numerous scholarly articles. Dr. Christopher Malloy, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Awesome.
1: Doc, we're going to begin with a prayer, because all good things start with a prayer. Awesome. Uh, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word, incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us, amen. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Doc, we're going to jump right into it. I mean, sadly, in the Catholic Church, both in America and abroad, um, there's this spirit of ambiguity. And the thing that confuses me, and we've talked to uh, just recently, Father Gerald Murray, similar conversation. Um, I don't know how there is confusion because I I've, I've taught RCIA. And I used to say, Catholicism is painting by numbers. It's all written down. How could we be confused? I don't get it, Doc. So please, uh, let's talk about this recent phenomenon. Um, and, And to be honest with you, please explain how this came about. Well, basically, you've got lawless theologians. That's
2: one factor. Uh, and some lawless prelates and Catholic journalists as well, and I, I say lawless because they're not following those numbers that you're talking about, and they're so they're inventing Catholicism in their own image. Now, how do they um, how do they go about this? Well, part of it uh, <laughs> is um, they're they're using as an excuse the um, what I call the communications uh, strategy changes um that were ushered in uh in the 1960s largely by the second vatican council and the, and the changes are you know, let's let's um start with the positive um let's give you know let's emphasize the strengths in our you know in the non-catholic position be it lutheran be it non-christian be it um atheist even let's emphasize the strengths um, Let's listen to them. And then let's try to portray Catholicism, in a in a manner that is most acceptable to them where they're at. Right. That's all. That's just the way you begin a friendly conversation, uh, and like with a stranger, right, uh, with someone who's maybe a little bit off put or, you know, suspects because they've heard some strange things. So, for instance, are you going to begin with Mary? Uh, or are you going to begin with Christ? If it's a Protestant, you're going to begin with Christ, mm-hmm. right? If it's, uh, say, justification, are you going to begin with the fact that we have to do works? Or are you going to begin with the fact that we're in sin and we need grace? You're going to do the latter, right? So it's just a basic communication um, policy, if you will. And uh, so that's all. Excellent. Well, but there were some modernists, you know, and, and that's a new kind of modernism, right? That were um, there at the, at the Second Vatican Council and after, priests, theologians, journalists, uh, prelates, etc. And they use these communication strategies to say things like this. This is what I got in grad school. Pius XII used to say X, but we say Y. And Y is not X. Right. So I got this again and again, class after class. Pius XII said this, and I'm using him as kind of a figure. Mm-hmm. Trent said that. Vatican I said that. All those grouchy old Catholics said that. And then, but now we say something different. And the thing is, John, John the 23rd said, no, 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 the substance doesn't change, but the way we express it can. And that's obvious. For instance, the Eastern Catholics, they express justification with the word divinization um so you, you know a lot of american catholics haven't heard of that divinization what is that like is that hindu what is that is that that mm-hmm. sounds new age no? it's, it
0: does it i was just thinking that it sounds a little sounds new, new age, age. yeah
2: <laughs> but uh but no it's actually catholic and what it means is that God makes us like him. So that's what that we don't become God or gods. um, But we, you know, um, like what Jesus said, actually, I said, they are all gods, we become like God. That's what he that's what he meant. And that's because God gives us his holiness. And so that's a beautiful thing. Well, that's a different way of putting it. And it and it has kind of different connotations, it gets at things that we're not saying when we say justification, just like when we say justification, we're getting at things they're not getting it yet, so there's complementarity, um, and moving forward in history, east and west complementarity. Moving forward in history, you can have complementarity of, as it were, new insights. You know, m- marriage has this aspect that we didn't pay attention to before. That doesn't undercut Pius XII, who said procreation is the primary end. It is the primary end, um, but uh, but a lot of these theologians they're they're uh, you know progressive. They want they want to mold Catholicism in their own image and there's something common about that by the way they want to water it down and they want to um lessen the scales the, the the stakes they they want to make this life kind of a cozy precursor to heaven and every everybody pretty much gets in
0: oh so no no cross then maybe a little bit Wednesday
2: good Friday that's about it
0: yeah right As i say you know i remember I remember uh father carapi used to say back in the day no cross no crown it's that simple yeah um you're at the front line with joe and joe joe Pasillo, joe racinello and i know this is going to continue to be a great conversation with dr christopher malloy we are talking about his new book available at sophia institute press false mercy recent heresies distorting the truth joe racinello where are we headed
1: you know, I agree with everything you said. What I don't understand, and, and I think this is where things get complicated, because I work in an organization where there's authority. I work in a corporate structure and it's a global structure. And trust me when I tell you, my managing director that has who has global responsibilities, if someone doesn't do something in accordance with the model that he lays out, trust me, they don't have a job. Trust me. I've been working in this structure for 25 years. What I don't understand, well, I kind of think I do, and I'd I'd like your opinion on it. When you do get prelates that go off the reservation, we're seeing this in Germany right now, um, and I'm not pointing fingers, I'm stating fact. I mean, some of the the rhetoric, it's not even rhetoric, some of the policy that's coming out of that church is clearly not a Catholic idea. Why isn't it squashed and why I think, and I'm interested in in your opinion is I think a lot of these like prelates have rose to power. They're the ones calling the shots. And frankly, they just turn their, their, like the cheek to it. And I don't understand that doc. I'll be honest with you because I work under authority and trust me, it comes down to the font. If I don't, if I write a report with the wrong font, Someone's going to say something. Get one of
0: those nasty emails. Never. Yeah, uh, Howard, Joe's right. I mean, it really does. All of this begs the question. How is this allowed to happen?
2: Yeah, no, that, that, is the, that is a very difficult question. I think there are probably multiple answers. One answer is some of these prelates are complicit. So if they're not willing, for instance, to, um, so the, the, as it were, state the law, or they'll never, they're not, nev- they will never uh, clearly go against the law, many of them, right? Um, and some of them will even like lay down the law, like uh, Paul VI, for instance, laid down the law. But when a um, bishop uh, disciplined a priest for actually upholding humane vitae, I think this was in America, uh, and I don't remember the, the priest's name, but they, the bishop, um, basically disciplined the priest for upholding what Paul the Sixth had taught doctrinally which be, was infallible by the way because of this is just a repetition of what the church has always held that you know you can't interfere with the procreative uh, purpose of sexual intercourse then that priest appealed to Rome and the bishop was supported not the priest mm. so there you kind of have um, lawlessness as it were from the top so that, that's a big problem, that's a huge scandal. So the unwillingness to, um, it's one of the things I mentioned in the preface, one of the things, or in the introduction, one of the things that you need to do is after the law is laid down, you need to enforce it. If you're not willing to enforce it and come down against those who are rebelling against it, um, you're supporting the rebellion. Uh, it un- might be unwittingly unwill- through cowardice, not through direct malice. But nonetheless, you're supporting it, and that's the confusion. So you've got priests, rainbow priests, running around now, um, and uh, they're not they're not disciplined at all. So then, what does the faithful think? The faithful think that okay, for me to love my brother, my sister, who's gone the way of the San Francisco lifestyle, um, is for me to accept the lifestyle. That's what that's what a lot of Catholics think, and they think that because. You got these rainbow priests and now rainbow uh, cardinals over in Europe saying that that's the case, that the church was wrong on sodomy. But,
1: well, you know, yeah. I want to I want to bring an ex, an, another home, you know, example that I think a lot of people will remember. I could remember this is a few years ago, and I'm not picking on the university because a lot of good comes out of it. Um, Notre Dame um, had Barack Obama speak now the bishops not me i didn't write it the bishop said that if you are pro-choice you cannot be given a platform their their document not mine so jenkins the president of notre dame invites barack obama to come to the campus and 80 bishops 80 write him a letter and say you shouldn't do that and he does it anyway how is that permitted you see, well, yeah, like, like well, I mean, obviously we know Notre Dame is powerful.
0: Joe, I, I'm sorry. I'm dying to hear this. 5 billion <laughs> I'm powerful. sorry, Joe. Go ahead. Go. That's my alma mater, by the
2: way. No, it's God
1: a- bless you. I know many good people that, listen, it's a great school. I mean, uh, like, it's, it's. Yeah, well,
2: they should go to University of Dallas instead of going to Notre Dame, in my opinion. Undergrad. Go, go there for law school.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. And I'm not picking up what I'm, and I didn't, to be honest with you, in all fairness, Doc, I didn't know you went there. And I mean eight, that. My, you know my, what? Eighty
2: bishops um, writing the letter that actually gives me a lot of uh, encouragement. Frankly, I don't. I mean, because I was there in the eight in the in the late eighties, early nineties, and um, and then I, I'm pretty sure Clinton came in the nineties and whatnot. So this is a long history. I remember we gave the Leitari Award to um, New York um, Cuomo. Famous speech, famous. And and so there was one bishop who refused. In fact, I think it was the New York. I think it was um, O'Connor, right? He refused to set foot on the campus.
0: Well, there you go. When they do that, Doctor Malloy. Dr. Christopher Malloy joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. We're talking about recent heresies distorting Catholic truth, which is the title of the book, False Mercy. I mean, when, when they do that, I mean, and then we get frustrated, the attack gets the, the attack gets pointed at us. And yeah. we're just trying to state when we're just trying to state the obvious. You're a Catholic yes. university. And as you said, it goes back to Mario Cuomo, that discratiad. I don't care who listens to this station. We, I've been saying that since Joe and I started. I'm never going to stop saying it. Mario Cuomo and his and his offspring are disgraziad Catholics, as we say in Italian, Dr. Molloy. And Notre Dame gave him a platform. Somebody we had on the show, I don't remember who it was, I don't remember who it was, uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones or, or someone else, told us a story that Father Hesberg. OK, um, I think it was before the 1980, either before the 1980 election or the 1984 election went classroom to classroom to classroom to tell students abortion is not the only issue wow. when it comes to voting.
2: I had no idea. That was, right. it had to be Ben Jones.
0: What's it? Yeah, it had probably. to have been Jones. He, I mean, he knows all the politics there at, at Notre Dame. But um, can you imagine that? In other words, at a Catholic university, if I was sending, yeah. if I was a parent at the time, I'm sending my child there. No, go ahead, Doctor Molloy. Well, well this go. is
2: what this is the. Um, so the modernists in the late 19th, early 20th century had to be secretive because the church had a you know kind of a bit of a watchdog uh, policy going on, and so they were secretive. They learned stealth tactics then. Well. Uh, they still had those stealth ta- tactics, but uh, they could kind of come out of the woodwork in the 60s, right? So Hesburgh and, and um, you know, the kind of uh, – Maritan was at Chicago. E. Michael Jones talks about this, that he was getting bested by – he's dialoguing with the atheists and the you know, non-Catholic this and that scholar at University of Chicago. He's thinking he's dialoguing out of goodwill, which he is on his part. They're making fun of him and Catholics on the other – they want to get rid of the Polish ghettos done with, you know, they don't like Catholicism. So this is a, there's a little bit of naivete with, you know, your, your average, you know, moderate middle of the road slash conservative Catholic naivete, not understanding the uh, machinations of the modernists and the liberals. And that, now those were non-Catholics, right. But they're, they're using the goodwill of Catholics. So we've we've been people basically of goodwill. Like I said, we want to state the good, think the good of the other um, and, and not come down too hard. Medicine of mercy, all that kind of stuff. But the thing is, we do need to keep our heads as well. And I will say this. One of the things you said is we look like the bad guys. This here's a huge issue. If if the bishops and the priests aren't teaching that, you know, sodomy is evil, right, that abortion is evil then you and I have to be the ones who actually introduce that at the dinner table. So it's Thanksgiving. And we have to say, uh, no, sorry, uh, Cousin Tim. Um, actually, that that is evil. <laughs> and then we look at the bad guy. No, we're supposed to accompany, right? Actually, that's a good term, accompany. We accompany by helping someone who's about to fall off the cliff, not fall off the cliff. But if if the bishops and priests are saying there's no cliff there, and we say, well, actually there is, that we look like the we look like the jerks, as opposed to the people who can concretely help weak. You know, we're all weak and sinful, but we can help someone who's got a particular weakness or sin. We can help walk them away from the cliff if they know it exists. If we have to tell them it exists, then we're doing the bishop's job. And, and it, you know something, the that bishops that, aren't going to do it. We got to do it. That's
1: exactly, you know, points to the title of your book, False Mercy. That is false mercy. And there's a a confusion of what accompaniment is. You you use Thanksgiving. How about Uncle Tom or Uncle Johnny who's living with his girlfriend outside of marriage? Yeah. You see, there is no concrete definition of sin anymore. And you're not helping. You have seven kids. I have five. If my kid is living with his girlfriend outside of marriage that is an objective mortal sin objectively speaking i don't know if he recognizes it as as like grave i'm not in his heart but as his dad And that's my job. Bishops have a crozier. That's the stick. When you're from Jersey, you don't call it a crozier.
0: (laughs) You call it a stick. I I call it that thing. That thing thing they carry. And you
1: use the stick to fight off the wolves. Just like a dad doesn't allow something bad in his house. If something bad comes in my house, I have to say you have to get out of my house because I have children and a wife. This is what's not going on. And you know something... That's part of the job. I think like, just like a dad, you have seven kids being a a dad, there's certain responsibilities and God will judge me based upon them. Do I do them perfectly? God knows I don't. I try, but the bishops have to be tougher. Yeah, You have to use the stick a little bit more and, and talk about false accompaniment because it's, it's just, that's what it is.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, You want to be chummy chummy with people because you have it could be human respect could also just be you like in the country club, you know, doing a, a round of nine or 18 holes, getting a beer with this guy. And and this guy is, yeah, uh, in a, an adulterous situation. Right. And but he donates to the parish and whatnot. So you're a prelate or a bishop and you're not going to bring it up. So, you know, why or. Um, let's say there's a politician in your diocese and you're not going to refuse him communion. Why? Uh, human respect because the media is going to attack you like you're vicious, right? It, or human affection. These are low level goods. Um, you know, it's not bad to want to want to be respected um, and have, you know, be thought well of by the people at large. And it's not bad to want the affection. So those are goods, but they're, they're lower level than this guy's salvation. And, Not only that, but this guy's salvation um, is not a private matter because he's like publicly, let's say, well, if it's a politician, publicly supporting abortion. So you're the bishop or you're the priest. And by administering the Eucharist to that person, you're giving a scandal to the entire flock. And now with social media, that's the scandal can really uh, echo, just like the good acts can echo, you know, the courageous acts of the bishops. So. The, this is some of the thing I do think also, we, you know, with some of the prelates that have been actually put in put in jail or had um, uh, verified allegations, right, that, you know, if the, if there are uh, real if there's substance behind the allegations, you know, that they're blackmailable. So there's, there's that aspect, if I'm black, I want to, I want human respect, I'm blackmailable. Um, I like the affection of the people. I'm not going to speak out, uh, or I realize I'm a sinner. Like I talk about hypocrisy here. So some people they realize they're sinners and then they can't do the thing. So even if you're like seventh grade CCD teacher, and you realize, well, I'm not perfect, so I can't lay down the law for these kids. You know, let's say about pornography or something. Well, yes, you can lay down the law. <laughs> you're not you're a hypocrite of sorts. But but there's the the worst hypocrite is when you say I am a CCD teacher. Or I'm a priest, a bishop, theologian, and I'm not, I'm not adhering to the to the code. Like I take an oath. Whoops, sorry, that's my book. I take an oath <laughs> on the Bible, um, and uh, and the doctrines of the church, uh, and then, uh, but I don't fulfill my office. That's hypocrisy, not me being weak uh, and sinning. I mean, we we do sin. We are we are weak, and we're hypocrites in that way.
0: Well, the thing is, too, Doctor Malloy, if if I'm teaching CCD. I, I, well, let's put it like this: There would be no, well, there, there would be nobody in the church if we, if we waited for everybody to, to, to yeah, for everybody. Right. For, let's say who didn't sin. The yeah. difference is, um, I've heard it put this way: this, the the saints are not saints because they didn't sin. The saints are saints because they recognize their sins and they did something about it. They go to Christ yeah. as we do. Yeah. There is nobody here is without sin. We're not yeah. casting a stone. The difference is that we acknowledge our sinfulness and we and we 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 believe in the church and all her teachings, and we avail ourselves of confession. We receive the grace of the sacrament and we keep it moving. Yeah. So as the church itself teaches. This is a dour combat yeah. between man and the forces of evil. That's yeah. in the catechism. Okay. Yeah. So the, the thing is we acknowledge the combat. We're weak at times. We fall. Sometimes Christ picks us up, we keep it moving. We don't say, you know what? I'm kind of screwed in my sin. Let me just, let me just remain in my sin. Let me fall deeper into sin. And then I'll continue to, 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 to teach at CCD. Yeah. That's the problem is that nobody wants a challenge. The sinner to say, No, 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 you, 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 we have a sacrament available to you. It's called confession. That means you might have to change your life. And I think that's always the thing Joe and I talk about on the show all the time the unwillingness to put something down. In other words, that, that's let that, that, that may be, uh, that, that may be a particular sin of yours that people don't want to put it down yeah. because you'd have to acknowledge that.
2: That's impenitence. And I'm reading from my class right now, I'm teaching eschatology, last things. Uh, and we're reading Garrigou Lagrange uh life everlasting highly recommend it and he talks about impenitence that is the unwillingness to repent so if i commit a mortal sin i necessarily become immediately impenitent but it's you know it could be a weakness sin right so i can repent get back to confession try to do my mortifications or i can say you know what i'm not going to repent i do that now i'm building a character of evil vice that anticipates eternal damnation right if i I keep in that i get hardened as saint paul says romans 2 by your hardened and penitent heart you're storing up wrath on the day of wrath uh wow (laughs) that's holy cow this is pretty heavy yes it is and so that's like likening yourself to the damned um so that's why it's so important for us to be repentant but yeah we're unwilling to put the stuff down
1: But, you know, how could people put it down if it's not said? And I think that's right. And and it has to be said with with love in your heart. And it can be. And that's the gift. I've seen it done like this is what's not. I'll be honest with you. I've said this on the show. I taught RCIA. I got I got thrown out. I taught it directly from the catechism. I could remember the woman who was in charge of it. We got into a huge argument about, uh, what's it called? Uh, conscience. What the heck is that? Uh,
0: Primacy just- of conscience. Primacy
1: of conscience. I'm like, no, the church usurps the individual conscience. I didn't go to, to uh, the Gregorian, but I know it because I read the book. Yeah. I mean, like, but this is where we're at. and And you have to say it. Just like you as a dad, if your kid's rolling a joint at your kitchen table, you're going to be like, son, no way. i doing that. That's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> conscience nowadays means what I want to be the
2: case. In other words, I like this sinful lifestyle. So I want it to be the case that it's right. So conscience becomes actually, John Paul talks about this. John Paul, second. Um, I choose this to be the good. But that's not what con- – true conscience, like a Huckleberry Finn conscience, is I recognize a law outside of myself, and this action's wrong. And, and you've got to treat Jim better. Um, so that's conscience. You know, It's something outside of yourself and good that you recognize, and you can't judge the concrete action any other way. But now we've turned it into my own choice.
0: Right. That's and, 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 and that's, that's really – That's really the frustrating part. I'll tell you something. Is I watched, um, and I'm not beating him up. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just stating the way it is. Okay, I'm not the one that chose to go on on national TV. Cardinal Supic went on TV, and I forgot who the, the reporter asked him something along these lines. He says, "Well, you know, uh, we the church does teach about conscience, and we, we shouldn't treat people like they're five years old. We should treat people like they're adults." Um, and he was given this like long-winded thing that really came down to primacy of conscience. And I wanted to throw something at the TV. I said, "No, by the way." Your Eminence, like I'm screaming at TV. No, people are five years old. People want what they want. People do need to be told what to do. Well, you, you're you live in America. You don't think you don't think that people need to know what to be told what to do when we have rampant baby killing every single day of the week. The Catholics among them that are supporting it. You don't think that people need to be told what to do by God? You're the one who needs to go back to seminary because even I know that, that, that people are essentially children who want what they want and they need to hear God's law telling them, thou shalt not do this. And they need I, to hear it from the church. I
2: agree with that, but let's even add some, some, uh, you know, let's, let's add some precision and compare the pandemic response and the church's moral teachings. The church's moral teachings, objectively evil acts. It's not like we got 300 a list of 3000 things that you can't do. And that's the more, that's a caricature. It's like, you can't murder your baby. You can't murder anybody. Okay. So that's, that's one. <laughs> right? Like things that people need to be told. You can't watch porn. You can't masturbate. You know, you can't um, withhold the wages of, of your uh, employee, mm-hmm. things like this. So in, in, I mean, I know, you know, moral theology can get complex in the nitty gritty, but in those basics, intrinsically evil acts, it's clear. Well, let's look at the pandemic response. You got to be six feet away. You got to be masked. You got to be double masked. You got to be vaxxed. You got to be double vaxxed. And who's saying that? A lot of the prelates. So they're treating everybody like five-year-olds, just like the CDC has been treating everybody like five-year-olds. Now, I know you guys are up there well, what do you use in the West, but um, you know, up there, and I know it's a, it seems like it's a different world. In Texas, like all, m- most people are not masked anymore, um, but at any rate, so what I'm saying is, you know, initially when that thing came down, I'm willing to go, yes, sir, yes, sir, you know, you're the experts. Now, uh, Fo Chi and, uh, and all the other, and that was a deliberate pun by the way. Yeah, well, the emperor. But, uh, and others are, they've kind of lost their credibility. by. bye, bye. Me,
0: uh, Doc, I'm sorry to interrupt. Let's take a quick break, okay? Sure. Um, and then we're going to come right back to it, and we're going to continue this great conversation. We have more questions for Doctor Christopher Malloy discussing his new book that has been published by Sophia Institute Press: False Mercy, Recent Heresies, Distorting the Catholic Truth. Don't go anywhere, Veritas Catholic Network. Stick around. We'll be right back.
3: Listen to all five of our original Veritas shows. Every Wednesday at noon, you can catch Let Me Be Frank, where Bishop Frank Caggiano talks about spirituality, church news, and fun stories from his Brooklyn childhood and his life. You can hear The Frontline with Joe & Joe every Tuesday and Thursday at noon. Their guests include the biggest names in the Catholic world, and Joe & Joe talks to them from the perspective of the everyday Catholic. Thursday nights at eight o'clock, tune in for the only late night talk show on Catholic media anywhere. It's not that late with Liv Harrison. And at noon on Friday is Restless. It's four millennials talking about, well, life as millennials in today's crazy world. Yes, it's possible to be young and Catholic. Right after that at 1230, you can hear the Focus on Veritas, where we put the focus on good works and the good people doing those works. Those are the five Veritas shows and there's more on the way. Stay up to date at VeritasCatholic.com or on the mobile app.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Rasinello. We are having a fascinating conversation with Dr. Christopher Malloy. False Mercy is the name of his book, the subtitle, Recent Heresies Distorting Catholic Truth, available at Sophia Institute Press. Doc, we're going to get right back into it. I'm going to hand it over to Joe. But having said that, I just want to say one thing before I do. That is one of the most frustrating things that I hear from those anti-Catholics out there. In other words, they don't want to be Catholic because of the rules. Same people, I always say I've said this to people right to their face, particularly atheists. God has 10 rules, essentially. Jesus (laughs) breaks it down to two. You people, particularly on the political left, you have 10,000. You have to pass the law before you read it. Uh, Right, right, right. There are more restrictions that come from God in his infinite mind never place more restrictions on the human person than the political left in the world okay That's so right. let's let's call it the way it is all right Joe I'm going to hand it over so to you
1: we're, we're talking about f- false mercy we're talking about accompaniment as it's defined uh, by modernists and I pose this question to Ralph Martin and I want to throw it to you doc because I'm interested in what you have to say let's just say that these modernists have good intention. It's not malicious, and I posed this to, to to Ralph, and I said, "Say they actually think that if they accompany somebody, which is being permissive in in a sense of their behavior, they'll eventually get it." Yeah, and say their heart. I don't know what's in their heart. I don't. I I, I disagree with that method. I I could say that with, with a pure conscience with, with, you know, like, I disagree with that, but say that they're sincere. And what Ralph said, I will always remember. He said, Joe, it's not working. And it isn't, it's not working. And this is what people like I could, and I, and you could ask Joe, I try to give people the benefit of doubt, my hand up. I I do. I don't know what's in your heart and I don't want to go there but it's not bearing fruit. And it hasn't for five decades, guys. Yeah. Like, like talk to that. You could probably speak to it a lot better than me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No, it it hasn't been working. That's the the intro is filled with statistics, right? Pew Research, Official Catholic Directory, UNI, uh, CARA, uh, which is Georgetown, University of Georgetown Research Center, like reputable statistics. And you look at it and it's nothing but, absolute disaster and you mentioned ceos and like bottom lines i wanted to come back to that ceos can see the profits go down and when profits go down the company's defunct well you can't see holiness itself so you know you can see the signs of holiness you can't see holiness itself so i guess the laziness comes in with both a theologian and with the pastoral work of a bishop Is a theologian can make claims and not have to prove them. And that's why the hard scientists at university are, you know, they're frustrated with both philosophers and theologians because they're, they're saying you can just spout off anything you want. Um, what but you can't, but th- that's what it looks like. Right. Same thing with uh, bishops. Like you keep doing your, your thing, you know, your Kumbaya liturgy or whatever. And as you said, it's not working well. The, the signs, they have to pay attention to the signs, but it can be, I guess too tempting for them not to pay attention. As long as the coffers are full, then, you know, I guess then, or as long as there's enough immigration coming in to offset the losses, um, you know, you're like, well, maybe we don't need to pay attention to it right now, but you're right. Absolutely. It's not working. How will it work? You got to get the good old catechisms. My little kids are reading the Baltimore catechism, which is fantastic. It's not, it's not, um, it's not false. It's true, and um, it's right to the heart. Could it be more beautiful? Well, yeah, sure. We'll just we'll bring in some more books, and you know, give you extra you know beauty, a little bit more flower, that kind of stuff. But they do need skeletal structure, point blank. John Hardin's Catechism, that kind of thing. Ludwig Ott, Ludwig Ott, the German pronunciation. Fundamentals of Catholic Dogma. These are the kind of texts that Catholics need and stick to the ABCs. But um, because of, I want to say, go back to those communication strategies because of the beautiful sort of embellishing on the faith, which the faith is rich and beautiful, absolutely is. But when you get that beautiful embellishment and the unwillingness to repeat stark truths that are kind of edgy, if you will. Mm -hmm. tough for today's audience like the catholic church is the one true church people go to hell when you're unwilling to present these stark truths then um that embellishment becomes obfuscation and and people hide behind so the rebels hide behind the embellishment and they're not asserting the, the hard sort of basics which you know we we could just presume and and you know 80 years ago everyone knows you know the catholic church believes in purgatory and that it's not a rosebud walk like the you know. yeah yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah but oh yeah. no no we're you know bring in hospice the poor guys uh, you know he's in misery put him out of his misery now he's now he's in heaven now we can now we can pray to him at his funeral well
0: that's, no, what, then that's it, what you hear Dr. Malloy joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Dr. Christopher Malloy, didn't you know all all people go to heaven? Yeah, yeah including no. my
2: dog. I I, had
0: a, I I try to be I try to be, and believe me, I I fail miserably. But I do strive to be um, as charitable as I can. Okay, so when people like will so, like like they question you sometimes on these things, namely like when a family member dies or somebody close, well, don't you believe they're in heaven? Not for me. The last time I checked, my my business card doesn't say that, or my my job description doesn't say I can play God. Okay, because that's the way you disarm people. Because people expect Catholics to say, "Well, you know, well, he's in hell. He did this. He does. How's this? I don't know, but neither do you." Yeah. All right. And people How's don't, this? But to be honest with you, Doctor Malloy, people don't like that either, and I know this from very personal experience. Where yeah, they say, no, they, no. I don't know. I pray for the person every day. I have no idea whether they're in heaven or in hell. But I do. I am open to the possibility that that person may be in hell. I don't let it prohibit me from praying for that person. God will take the prayers and do whatever God yeah. wants with my prayers. Yeah. However. You want me to say they're in heaven? I'm not telling you. I'm not going to tell you anybody's in heaven. I don't care if somebody that fed the poor every day for their entire lives. I'm not going to tell you they're in heaven because I'm not God. But I'm not going to tell you that they're not in hell either. I have no clue. And that's one of the problems. Let's, let's stay on hell for a second, okay? Evidently, we all go to heaven. Dr. Malloy, didn't you get the memo? Okay, so <laughs> why, why, don't, why don't you talk a little bit about that heresy? Well, the, you know what? I want to pre- present...
2: What, this is the thing. Everyone wants us to say exactly what you're saying. They're in heaven. They're in a better place. All that kind of stuff, and they, but they have no solid evidence. So even though I think they all believe it deeply, I think there are eggshells beneath that faith, and they know or not the eggshells. Are not the right. It's like there's a chasm. There is a cliff on that flimsy belief that everybody's going to heaven. And they're unsure of it, and it's unstable. That's why they get so angry when you say, well, you know, let's pray for him. My response is, will he be offended if we pray for him? If he's in heaven, he's not going to be offended. (laughs) So if he's in hell, you know, well, but if he's in purgatory, he's going to really like it.
0: You know, and, and and honestly, I'm gonna hand it over to Joe. And honestly, that every time I pray, there is a particular person in from my life that I pray for every single day. Okay. And 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 I'm not gonna lie, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's in heaven. I don't know if he's in hell. I have no clue. Okay. And and I fear. Uh, but the one thing I say is I'm gonna keep praying every single day because if he's in purgatory he's going to thank me, yeah. you know, like, like if the good Lord takes me, you know what I mean? And I get to go to heaven. Well, then that, that, that person will, will thank you. Hey, that's, that's a That's yeah. a Well, that's real. That, and that's the thing that bothers me is that if, 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 if me in my own personal journey, okay, if I relied on this version of accompaniment from the church, then I wouldn't be back in the church or I would have had a very difficult time being back in the church, yeah. but not for anything. OK, and, and and then again, I'm sorry, I'm going to hand it over to Joe. But yeah, in my journey away from the church, meaning not practicing the faith and then coming back to the faith like the prodigal son. Yeah, it was the it was the quote unquote, Dr. Malloy, harsh voices, Mother Angelica. Okay? Yes. Father Karapi. OK. Yep. Um, and others where I had to hear if you do not stay close to Christ in this world as he commanded you to. OK, you will be separated from him for from him for eternity. Yeah. That's called hell and you don't want to go there. You want to know what? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I'm not progressing uh for for any other reason that I accepted that truth that I will go to hell, okay? Um which God is transforming into the love of God, of course. Yeah. But it starts sometimes with the fear of hell. And we need to get back to a little bit of the fear of, uh, of hell in the Catholic Church.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, if if Joe's not going to go then I, that's this fear this is people take this line from John, First John, uh, perfect love casts out all fear. Um, and, they, and then they pretend they're mystics and they say, see, anyone who's fearful is not perfectly loving. And, and, I, and I, my answer is that's true. But some people are at the stage where they need the fear of hell. By the way, the church doesn't condemn the fear of hell. The church actually says it's a gift of God. It's a supernatural gift of God because it comes from faith. I believe that God exists. And only if i have faith can i really believe in an everlasting hell okay so then i come to believe that and then i say well that doesn't look like a, a place i want to go <laughs> this is what you if you experience that i experience the exact same thing mother angelica flipping the cable and then bumping into that lady she saved me from hell so uh or if you know started that process i like to say but mm-hmm. at any rate, so. Um, no, that's absolutely right. Now it does need to mature. It needs to turn into true love. But but sometimes the only motivation is to say, hey, that life not only will will eventually get boring for you, um, and your body will give way, but um, it also leads you to eternal alienation from friends, from God, isolation,
0: loneliness. That's hell. Mm. And that and and that's true. Dr. Christopher Malloy joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Rusciano on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. We're discussing uh, "False Mercy: Recent Heresies Distorting the Catholic, uh, Catholic Truth." That is Dr. Christopher Malloy's new book, available at Sophia Institute Press. Joe Rossinello, where are we headed.
1: Well, in the book, Doc, you talk a lot about um, doctrinal, doctrinal uh, evolution, How how, and I think this is how people couch it, how doctrine evolves. Now, let me give you an example of how I have seen how doctrine ha- has evolved, um, just reading scripture. Uh, in the beginning, everyone was a Jew. And then Paul said, well, no, we could go and baptize Gentiles. The council met. And it changed. And we accept that. Another example, I believe, and you could speak to it better than I, the first language probably that masses were said was probably Greek, I think. I I I didn't go to the Gregorian. Then it went to Latin. Then it went to the vernacular. It changed. How is that right? And other doctrines can evolve. Yeah.
2: Well, so language is... Uh, first of all, it's probably uh, more like uh, Aramaic, uh, the original language, but um, mm-hmm. and then the Greek. But um, but yeah. So in fact, I heard a, a homily um, that began exactly with that. We used to be uptight, and everything had to be Greek. Then we allowed Latin, and I and and uh, by the way, I I kind of had a had the feelers out with the uh, what where this was going. Uh, and then the and then the priest said, and now people are uncomfortable with certain kinds of relationships.
1: Oh. Well, he took a left hand yeah. turn there. Oh, he <laughs> did,
2: but uh, no, but uh, you know, the that's thing a is, hard that is,
0: left. <laughs> that's the
2: same question, right? Well, he left the priesthood, and he and he entered that that uh, lifestyle. All right, so um and, and so I, years later, I wasn't I wasn't surprised. Uh, you know, I mean, I was sadly was not surprised but at any rate so the thing is is language is not um male and female male and female cuts across all cultures so there are some things that are as it were part of our substance and cut across cultures essential if you will and other things are um not essential right like or and i don't mean to say superficial um because there is an importance of tradition and, and kind of keeping the same and organic development of liturgy, right? Um, that's very important, and we kind of lost that. But um, And that means, literally, culture and roots are important, right? And you guys, being from, from uh, Jersey, recognize that, I think, more than a lot of other people in America, because there's a lot more, I, I think, cultural roots, familial roots in the Northeast um, than in other parts of the US. But um, so in the church, their importance There's importance of roots, but then there are, as it were, temporary things, right? Uh, Language isn't, even though it's important as a root, it's not absolutely essential. So it can change over time, right? Same thing with uh, a similar related thing with the Jewish covenant. God was preparing the people for the fullness, okay? So in order to prepare the people, he had to separate out his people, so that he could clearly speak to them. Now, did he abandon the rest of the world, the Native Americans, etc.? No, church has a, has a doctrine on it, consistent doctrine. That And St. Saint, Saint Peter announces it, right? You hate no one who fears you, right? So God is not a, a people chooser in a bad way, um, like paint playing favorites in a bad way. No, no, no. But he does prepare the world For the christian religion by way of the jewish people all right and then the christian religion goes and spreads that doesn't mean before the missionary gets there there's no grace but it does mean the missionary brings a lot of grace and truth and clarity and the pagans without christianity you see look how dark their world is they're despairing and whatnot so the development is you know get to christianity you got the fullness now that now that fullness needs to spread Look at the Immaculate Conception. We weren't clear on who Mary is. We're wondering who she is. Asking, Maximilian Kolbe used to ask this, who are you? Asking Mary, who are you? The same thing with Christ. Who is this that the wind and the sea obey him? That's how the early, um, you know, the early disciples were responding. Like, he, you just calmed the storm. Who are you? Mm. Right? That's what they're wondering. So as time goes on, the church keeps pondering who is Christ And and the church answers. He's he's almighty God. He's fully human. He's one person. He has two wills. He has two intellects, but still one person. So that's the church fathoming Christ, then Mary, who is she? She is the mother of God, because he's one person. And then down the road, she's immaculate, redeemed, but immaculate. Um, And so that's development, right, where you got the same mystery as it were, the articulation grows and grows, becomes more precise like a tree flowering. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about um, like sort of radical uh, evolutionism is where that species can no longer survive. So it would be like saying, we used to say, and by the way, some people say this, Some I'm not going to say the religious order, but anyway, um, we used to say Jesus is God, um, but now we say, no, he's the symbol of God. That's evolutionism. That's like, oh well, that's, that's you know, like the brontosaurus, which didn't even exist. You know, now we're Dr. on. Doctor the...
0: Malloy, would, would it be fair to say that basically what you just described is 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 organic evolution of doctrine? Okay, a natural evolution Development, of doctrine. rather than because
2: evolution, you have the loss of the species.
0: Right. So so basically, development, meaning that okay, it 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 looks like it changes over time, but it never departs from first principles. The yeah, first so, principle is still a, the rock. And then, as you said, over time, you, you add layers, but you never depart from the rock itself. That's, that's exactly right. You never go back and say, that's
2: false. Like, I put it this way in the past, that's false. Whereas, let's say, move from uh, geocentrism to heliocentrism. Well, that the previous model was false.
1: I agree with everything you said is right. And I use those examples for a reason, um, because you said on the other side of the break, you said people try to make the church in their own image. I observe a lot of things on social media, and I see that on both sides of the aisle in these arguments. Um, People want the church to suit. You see, the church is God's church. And I, I think it comes down to pride, like like they want people like sometimes even unconsciously doing so like they just they, they want to conform the church. Like I'll use another example, music. Now, there are certain music recommendations, but say you go to Africa, they're not singing Gregorian chant in Uganda like it's different. Yeah. That doesn't mean the mass is invalid, right? Like, and 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 this is where people go crazy. Yeah. Like, like, like where they're losing. I always say I use uh, Terry Barber from L.A. They're what they're worrying about the corn. The house is on fire. Like the the house is on fire, and they're <laughs> watering corn. Yeah. Like like outside. Like I didn't. Again, I I'm not like classically trained, but like sometimes. You know, we got to just kind of get outside of ourselves and listen a little bit more. We don't. And well, we tr- yeah. speak to that, because, again, you you know more than I. I mean, I'm, I'm just the, the, the guy. No, in the I'm, pew. I'm really glad you said that, because that's where, you know,
2: there is a diabolical element going on here and the devil is way smarter than we are. And so. Like we have an enemy, we face one enemy. The devil understands that there are two groups that he can pit against each other. So I do think that this lawlessness that he has uh, inculcated um, and that uh, somehow has become the zeitgeist in among many Catholic theologians, journalists, prelates um, and theologians, this uh, lawlessness makes other people kind of slingshot to the extreme of um, basically anointing themselves bishops and taking charge. So for instance, if there are um, crazy practices in uh, the liturgy, uh, other people, you know, slingshot and reject everything. Uh, So for instance, you know, the reform of the mass. Um, So some people say it's all invalid reform the mass. I happen to attend a Latin mass parish, traditional Latin mass parish, but I don't say the the reform is invalid. That's absurd. That's the, that's the reform that Holy Mother Church gave the world, okay, or gave the Western, um, you know, the, the Roman right. So as a son of the church, you know, you have to accept that. Now, uh, just like Ratzinger, you know, Ratzinger slash Pope Benedict XVI, he had some questions, saying, "You know, well, why does why did this happen?" You know, there there are questions and you know um, filial criticisms, if you will, uh, filial calls for improvement, that kind of thing. Um, because the, the the New Mass did get created by a small group of people, and and so that's kind of unique. I mean, I don't think the, any Eastern Church ever did that. No Eastern uh, thing, to my knowledge, ever did that. And I don't know that that ever happened in the history of the, of the Catholic Church, but that's still valid. So, you know, a few questions about it and like maybe revisit this or that, but don't throw the whole thing out. Well, here's where Satan comes in. He gets extremists to snap over here on the far left and, and snap toward snap towards the far left and others to snap towards the far right. I don't like political categories when it comes to the church, but sometimes they're useful. You know, uh, snapping progress, ultra progressive snapping, ultra radical. Um and, and then you lose the church. So if you've got a parish that says, hey, they're not part of the Catholic Church, that's no good. You, you, that, that That's no good. Catholic mm. Church, you know, this parish is Catholic. It's Catholic. It's part of the Catholic Church, period. And we well, you have You know,
1: I'll, I'll tell you, I think you're sane, to be honest with you. That was a very sane commentary, and I appreciate it. And I think the, the, the crux of the issue—and we're talking about heresies— and you hit it, there are liturgical abuses that did not follow the documents. I've said this time and time again, and you also said this, In the first uh, uh, what's it called segment of the conversation that john the 23rd who is a saint said through miracles, I always validate that when people say oh but uh, yeah when 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 you when you have a miracle we'll talk but uh, until then (laughs) uh, we're not going to go there. Uh, The substance didn't change. People change the substance. And I'll say this. I'm not the Pope, but I'm going to make a bold statement. If the Novus Ordo Mass did not lose the sacredness, it's still sacred because Jesus is on the altar, but in liturgical practice, we wouldn't have this problem. There would be no discussion. People like yourself, good people, sense the sacredness in the Latin Mass, and they leave the Novus Ordo.
0: My opinion... Uh or, Dr. Christopher Malloy, quick comment on that, and then come back real quick, with, okay? Because we're running out of time, yeah. and I want to get to one more question for you.
2: Or I'd say, I would. What I would say is, people have seen um, beautiful, uh, holy, sacred masses that are facing God. Number one, and, and I mean that both metaphorically and uh, slash literally, both either or. Okay, and when you see that, you kind of gravitate to it.
1: Is it the Novus order supposed to be uh, 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 what's it called? Sacrifice Audit,
2: ad orientum. Well, that's that's a, you know the rubrics I think are mixed. So some rubrics seem to presuppose that it is, and some re- rubrics seem to presuppose that it's not. So I think that's actually that's a question for liturgy experts. But mm-hmm. it is some of the rubrics presuppose that it is. So that's 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 another element. I will say that there, it's um, when people are just seeking the good and i think that's what there's a big movement of catholics who they they go there and they seek the good they seek a clear homily and a liturgy that is oriented around god you know it it could be nice also to have you know to have uh, things in your language that you can that you can speak i i totally relate to that so i You know, there's, there's, it's a complicated story. More than one minute. Sorry, I don't think No, no, no,
0: no, that, no, that, that that's okay, Doctor Christopher Malloy. Hey, listen, Nature Radio, we have time limits, so what, are, what are we gonna do? But we're gonna have you back. We're gonna have Wait, you back. We, we're we are going to get into some more trouble, I'm sure. Uh, but we're talking to Doctor Christopher Malloy. Um, not that we're in trouble, but you know what I mean. Uh, the book is False Mercy: <laughs> Recent Heresies Distorting the uh, Catholic Truth. Um, I'm gonna look, give you a quick backdrop, and then I want your comments for a couple minutes, Doctor Malloy. So uh, the Satanists came to Scottsdale, Arizona because they wanted to have wow. a convention, all right? And God bless his soul, Jesse Romero uh, rallied the Catholic troops here in Scottsdale. This was upon my arrival. In wow. other words, it's like the Satanists are coming to Scottsdale. But, but Jesse rallied the troops, and it was a beautiful, uh, peaceful prayer rally uh, in front of the hotel where they were having their convention. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is this. Jesse t- uh, told a story afterwards that... Um, that he was actually talking to a couple of the atheists because there were atheists with these Satanists. Okay. (laughs) Which is kind of interesting. That's a whole other conversation, but he was talking to them. He was actually talking to a couple of the Satanists, but then he was talking to some of the atheists who had some pretty thoughtful questions. They're there probably for more political reasons, whatever the case might be. So what I would call what Jesse Romero was doing, I would call that evangelization. Because he was planting seeds with these Absolutely. kids, were asking questions. He was giving them Catholic truth, truth. But uh the question that Joe and I have for you, Dr. Malloy, is what he was is what he was doing a sin? Trying to convince somebody of the truth of the Catholic faith. It seems oh. to be nowadays it, proselytizing. It, 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 proselytizing. That's a sin <laughs> I mean- against ecumenism or something along those lines. We have about a minute and a half left, Dr. Mulai, no I hate to put a time limit on you. Talk about the need to evangelize and why, no, it's not a sin.
2: Hey, if what he was doing was a sin, then what Jesus did was a sin.
1: I was just going to say that. You're right.
2: Um, opening the woman at the well and and going out. And that's what that, you know, so he can talk gently with the woman at the well, but very quickly, by the way, he's a good CEO. He's very practical, Jesus is. Very quickly, he gets to the heart of what's going on with her, and then he sends us—you know—sends us out. So we need to go out. I mean, it's not our truth; it's his truth.
1: Yeah. You know, you just summarize the whole conversation in that—it's receptivity to something that's not ours. The church is God's, and I want to come into heaven to His house. It's you—that's the conversation right there, and that's the reluctance of so many people, including
0: those. We're our worst enemy. Dr. Christopher Malloy, quick comment on that, where people could find you, okay? Um, And where people could buy the book and the name of the book. Again, shoot, you got about 60 seconds. (laughs) I'm on Facebook. The book
3: is
2: at, unfortunately, my blog is down. So, because my credit card, yeah, it's a long story. (laughs) But um, False Mercy is at Uh, sophiainstitute.com. Amazon also uh, carries it. Um, But I've got uh, an academia website in case people want to go there, but Facebook, Twitter, now and again I access it almost never, (laughs) but I am on Facebook, and I teach at the University of Dallas very proud to teach there, and it's a great place, uh, especially for undergraduate education I want to say, but also we have graduate programs.
0: So we were we were talking about hell. If you want to see the communications, uh, what would you call it? The type of the type of conversations that go on in hell, go on Twitter. Right. Yes, <laughs> go, on, go. go on Twitter. And, and, and that's what that's what you get there. Dr. Christopher Malloy, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. We definitely, hopefully you, you'll come back on our show. I would um, love to. And we'll mix it up a little bit more. And thank you all out there for joining us at the Veritas Catholic Network Frontline with Joe and Joe. Remember, Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app. uh, Download it so you can have access to all of our station's content. Follow Joe and I, social media, YouTube, Frontline TV, Frontline TV, or our website, frontlinetv.com, thefrontlinetv.com. And remember, until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.